Welcome to the War in Ukraine update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ganawa, a lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia, and I'm checking in with Maxim Yali, head of a Centre for New World Order and Professor of International Relations at the National Aviation University in Kyiv. Thanks for checking in with me today, Maxim. Welcome, uh, Jessica. Haven't heard you for ages. <laughs> That's right. Long time no see. And partly we haven't checked in for a while because there's been a lack of electricity in Kyiv, obviously associated with that lack of internet and other types of shortages. So first of all, I mean, you're still located in Kyiv. Could you let us know you know, what is life like now with the attacks we've seen recently from Russia on Ukraine's electricity and water infrastructure? How is daily life and how are you and other people coping with the current shortages? You're absolutely right. It was one of the main reasons we didn't get in touch uh, for a while and had to postpone our meetings. And uh, yes, now, luckily, I'm still having electricity and internet and can share to describe situation. Of course, this latest attack on Kiev changed uh, the situation since Wednesday when it took place. In Kiev, uh, nobody had electricity. For example, in my district, me particularly didn't have electricity for three days long. 72 hours, just yesterday on Saturday, we had electricity just for one day and today again for half of a day we didn't have. But of course, it was unfortunately definitely not the last blackout and our government's officials were saying, unfortunately, the lack of air defense system allow Russians to make these massive missile attacks effective. Though our Ukrainian armed forces hit about 70%, 75% out of these missiles and rockets, still those which hit do have a lot energy system now we have 50% of damaged absolutely ruined 50% of electricity system i will tell you now just some details about life i guess for your listeners uh, of course when you don't have electricity so you don't have uh, water you don't have heat you don't have internet so luckily i had some water supply but most of inhabitants of the capital of ukraine of kiev didn't have even water well luckily i have gas supply temperature is minus just about zero minus two minus three of course it got colder everybody needed to warm up but of course well we got used to already not to have electricity well eight hours a day for example sometimes 12 hours we didn't have but with interruption for example four hours we have it four hours off now we start using our balconies as fridges as i mentioned uh, the temperature is low at night it is minus always today we had for example snowfall sitting in the darkness you need to know that for example now it's about 4 p.m it's already dark 
in Ukraine. It makes you depressed, of course, when sitting uh, in the darkness. And uh, the problem is that, for example, a few weeks ago, still uh, mobile internet worked. Uh, I managed to, uh, to have lectures, to give lectures to my students. It was like clubhouse, for example, if, of course, uh, there was no air raid uh, sirens. But uh, now it's impossible because uh, internet, mobile internet, not talking about Wi-Fi, of course, you don't have it. Even mobile internet is off. And, uh, of course, you, you are absolutely unaware of what is going on. You just sitting in the dark, as I mentioned, well, candles. I bought already some equipment, even a lamp with solar battery in case we don't have electricity at all. Of course, I always remind that, uh, well, soldiers in much worse conditions, absolute mud now, seasons of rains. When uh, yesterday they switched on the electricity for, for the first time at 4 p.m., my neighbor uh, upside started with vacuum cleaner. It was all night long and I said, okay, just so much energy. And now, you know, well, everything has its negative aspects, but I'm an optimist. I'm trying to find always some positive ones. Just, well, you know, it makes you, you do not delay things. If electricity appears, you need to do everything as quick as possible. Uh, We're coming back uh, to my childhood, I would say. You know, I can't even imagine uh, for youngsters. So got used to internet, phones, everything. When I was a teenager, well, it was the 1990s when Ukraine got uh, independent and it was economical crisis. And we also had uh, this electricity off often, economical depression, but uh, we didn't have that time. Mobile phones, we didn't have internet. Putin wants uh, to bring us back to the 19th century, actually. But uh, so far, he managed to bring us back to 1990s, I would say. Of course, it doesn't change our mind. It doesn't break our will, what he wants to do, to break our will uh, for us to give up. He thinks if he cuts off all these commodities, well, we'll raise our hands. He is absolutely wrong. Well, I'm trying to find more some positives. I just have time to read books. When still there was a blackout, we met with friends in some cafes, for example, which have generators using gas, petrol. Well, it's possible so when you go outside these days, the noise of generation is everywhere. Now, small business cafes, they're buying it. Of course, well, it smells definitely and noise, but people adapt, uh, business adapt somehow as it is possible. But of course, as I mentioned, first two days, it was absolute mess. If you don't have electricity and internet, you cannot uh, pay with your credit card. Uh, you need cash, but uh, you cannot uh, get cash because these uh, machines also don't work. But we adapt, we are getting stronger and and of course, we hate Putin and his supporters more and more. And it brings us strength to resist, I would say. So the effect he gets is absolutely opposite he wants. Yeah, in some ways, bringing people closer together and having the opposite effect of what is intended. But I can certainly imagine life without internet, without electricity is pretty rough. So we're now just 
at the beginning of winter in Ukraine, and it is quite a cold, harsh winter typically. We saw the Ukrainian forces retaking Kherson recently, which was quite a significant step in the war. Do you think that we're going to see pretty much a freeze in fighting and a freeze in battle lines over the winter as the weather does worsen? And as you mentioned, conditions for soldiers are really hard during the cold winter months. Or do you think that we will see Ukraine continuing trying to make gains on the battlefield, even during the winter? It depends on a few aspects. Firstly, retaking Kherson before that retaking Kharkiv region took us a lot of efforts and weapons. So we used a lot of shells, machines, tanks. Of course, we also have some casualties and we need to restore. So we depend on Western assistance. These dependence increases constantly because now, because of that missile and rocket attacks, uh, damages economy. All enterprises stop uh, working, uh, including uh, military ones, which were producing weapons and shells and repairing also, yes, damaged uh, weapons, tanks, etc. About uh, 20 countries, small European countries out of 50, you know, this coalition for Ukraine, uh, which support in Rammstein meeting, about 20 European small states are already off storages. They cannot uh, give more. So this one aspect, the support of our allies and uh, military support, uh, first of all, but uh, more important, more important even uh, weather conditions. Winter is coming. (laughs) It has come, actually, because as I told you, the temperature is minus already, snowing, sometimes it's raining, it changes in December, it will be like this. But uh, usually just in January, the temperature just drops below minus 10, minus 15, at least at night. It uh, usually happens at least for a few weeks in January. But then, of course, when the ground is frozen, so because now when it's uh, very difficult, uh, not only for infantry, but uh, for vehicles, for tanks, it's very difficult to move. And therefore, of course, it, it has already influenced military actions. We cannot make offensive, massive offensive to deoccupy the rest of territories. If to compare with 2015, with the first stage of uh, war, uh, which started in 2014. In the winter, we had uh, in uh, January and uh, February massive uh, military actions. And just in February, Minsk agreements were signed, second Minsk agreement just uh, on February. And that time it was just, I guess, the biggest uh, military operation took place since the beginning of the war that time. And it uh, froze the conflict for eight years. If the weather is fine, to make conclusions, and if the West, mostly the United States, keep giving us necessary weapons, volume of it uh, needed for massive counteroffensives, then uh, I guess will surprise Russians, maybe even not uh, once, but more, uh, just as we did it in autumn, when nobody firstly didn't expect uh, for us to retake Kharkiv region. And then, as, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in uh, November, they had to leave Kherson, the only administrative region they managed to occupy. But negative aspect, 
As you know, Putin mobilized 300,000 new soldiers. Well, about due to our intelligence, be 100 out of them already in Donbass and in other territories. But still, two more hundred are being prepared, equipped, etc., etc. They are not thinking about occupation of new territories, but they want to stand and hold what they have already occupied. Because you know, Putin changed constitution, annexed new territories, Donetsk, Lugansk, Zaporizhia and Kherson regions, though he didn't control any region completely. Well, about 95-98% of Lugansk is the smallest region, and they managed. It was their only success, especially in spring. They managed to uh, occupy it when they have huge advantage in artillery. They uh, ruined it absolutely. There there was nowhere to hide. But 45% of Donetsk region still under control. Now, well, 70% Zaporizhia, if we talk about territory. Kherson, as I mentioned, they left it. So, of course, it was a huge loss. And I would say, well, hit to Putin's face when they had to leave Kherson just a few weeks after he annexed it. As we call it, Kherson left the Russian Federation just after a few days. It joined from the point of view of Putin. So to make some conclusions, December, difficult situation, weather. Second, we need, as I mentioned, to restore our stocks of weapons and hope still at least the United States uh, keep giving us. If these conditions coincide, then in January, we may see some some good news from the front line. I certainly hope so. Thanks, Maxim. It's really nice to talk to you again, and I hope that we will have a chance to talk again soon. And in the meantime, stay safe, and I hope you can also stay warm. Thank you very much. I hope so too. Hope dies last, you know. Thanks for listening and thanks to Gonka Varol for our theme music. 